Hello, and welcome to This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. I am Scott Interante, and today I am joined by Ryan Pack, the host of the Soundtrack Your Life podcast. Ryan, thanks so much for hopping on and, and doing this with me. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. I'm really ex- a big fan of the show. I'm a big fan of the show, and I'm excited to talk about one of my favorite songs. Well, I, I appreciate that. You've been very... Uh, helpful and supportive since we started this show not too long ago. So uh, it's great to have you on. And I'm curious, you know, maybe we can start at your podcast and then work backwards from there. You you do a show, it's called Soundtrack Your Life. You talk about movie soundtracks, both the movie and the, the soundtrack, usually when you're getting into something or you've done some, uh, like you just did an episode on the Buffy soundtrack. So some TV and some other things as well. But um, how did you get started doing all that? Um, so a couple years ago, I wanted to write a series on a bunch of soundtracks that I feel like were overlooked. And when I kind of presented that to one of my friends, they said, um, that sounds cool, but nobody reads anymore. So maybe you should do a <laughs> podcast on it. Yeah. Podcasts are the new books, the new uh, the new journalism, you know? Right. Well, so what is your background then? Were, you know, are you coming at it as like a musician from that perspective or are you a movie lover? Obviously both, but like how, where are you sort of coming at it from? A little bit of everything. So I have a background in film. I went to college for film studies. You know, ever since high school, I've been playing guitar and playing in like little bands. And then um, also for a while in the early 2000s, I was trying to run like a little online music magazine sort of thing where I would interview artists and uh, review music. So it's kind of a combination of all those sort of passions. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember the first time a movie soundtrack really impacted you? It's hard to say. Like Purple Rain was probably the first soundtrack that like I heard a lot growing up, but I didn't yeah. see the movie, so I just thought it was, like, this awesome collection of songs. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that one sort of worked. I mean, it's an album, really. Yeah, you know? like, I, when people ask me, like, what my favorite soundtrack is, like, I sometimes forget to include it because I just think of it as, like, this amazing right, album. Right, right, But other than that, do you, do you have something maybe of, like, seeing a movie and thinking, like, oh, wow, the music in this, whether it's, like, original songs or, or whatever? So this is kind of a Funny story, because it's kind of in reverse, but my sister used to work at a record label, and she sent me a copy of There's Something About Mary, the soundtrack. And so I hadn't seen the movie yet, but I started like listening to the soundtrack with these songs by Jonathan Richmond, where he's clearly singing about the movie. About Mary, that they don't know Mary. There's just something about Mary. And so, like, that was my introduction to Jonathan Richmond. And then to actually see, like, he's a character in the movie was, like, really funny for me. Yeah, that's so funny. I haven't seen that movie in so long. And I was kind of too young to be seeing it, you know? Um, I got to revisit that because I don't even remember that aspect of it, that the songs are these sort of, like, meta commentary on the movie. Yeah, he's like a that's singing really narrator. And I don't think that gets enough credit for, like, how funny that movie is. Yeah. That is very interesting. I remember I was talking about this on on another podcast recently. I think the first CD I ever bought was the Rugrats movie soundtrack, or maybe Rugrats Go Wild, one one of the like early Rugrats movies. Um, and I remember buying that soundtrack with whatever like allowance money or something, and that 
is my memory of like the first time I bought a CD for myself. The 90s in general were like such a big time for movie soundtracks on CD, I guess. Yeah, I think it was during the CD boom. So my sister would kind of send me whatever because I was like in my, you know, early teen years. So I would take whatever she would send me. And I think a lot of times the label just had like extra soundtracks around. Yeah. And so, you know, once you started like getting into bands, it started being like, well, where else can I find their music? And, you know, you'd find these bonus songs on random movie soundtracks. And, you know, so I'd start hunting those down and. So there's a lot of soundtracks I've listened to where I've probably never seen the movie. (laughs) Right, right, right. So, you know, outside of the movie soundtracks, as a just a music fan, what were you, you know, growing up or or in high school or whenever, what were you really connecting with? I think grunge was big for me for a while. And then as I shifted into indie, because, you know, I had a sister at a label, so she was like, oh, there's cool stuff that's not on the radio. Right. Um, I, I definitely shifted that way. So, you know, I really got into Pavement, and Sebado was also a really big band for me in high school. And, like, Sonic Youth and, like, you know, Super Chunk, kind of the big 90s indie bands. Yeah. Do you have something that was, like, you know, maybe something in particular that was appealing about that kind of music to you? either musically or maybe it was just that you thought it was like a cool, you know, aesthetic and cool scene that you were into as well. I mean, I think a big part of it was probably kind of the exclusivity of the music. Like it was hard to find. So therefore it made it better. (laughs) Right. But I think, you know, I liked the humor of Stephen Malcolm's lyrics. I liked how personal and romantic Lou Barlow's lyrics were. So those things kind of drew to me as kind of like an awkward high school kid. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, so much of like what we're trying to explore on this show is like the sort of way your musical taste like interacts with your identity or self-expression or or that sort of thing, you know. So it's like, did you find in, in high school, in college that like kind of music that you were listening to, was that like a big part of your identity, how you presented yourself? Oh, absolutely. Since I wasn't one of the cool kids, like it made sense to listen to this kind of off the beaten path sort of music. Yeah. What does that also facilitate a sort of like friend group with other people who are into that sort of thing? And, you know, were you like involved? Were you going to a lot of shows like sort of in that scene? Yeah. So I had a friend named Ted and we kind of bonded over music and he's the one that kind of helped me start this kind of online zine which was kind of a mix of us trying to get like free music and and to get into shows for free. <laughs> and it was also designed to like help us get into like a good college. We had just seen Rushmore. So it's like, oh, let's create a bunch of clubs and stuff like that. That's awesome. Yeah. So fast forwarding to more recent times, like, do you find that the kind of music you listen to now or that you relate to now, is that the same sort of stuff that you're pulled towards? Is there something different? Honestly, I think it's a lot of the same stuff. Like there's still new bands that I'll listen to, but I feel like they would also fit back in like the late 90s, you know, like Soccer Mommy or like Snail Mail or Phoebe Bridgers. Like they're new, but they also sound like they could have slotted in in like 1999. Right, right, right. 
I'm also curious, you know, because on your podcast, you cover a lot of different kinds of movies with a lot of different kinds of soundtracks. Has it been a way for you to like explore or or give more attention to some music that maybe you wouldn't pay attention to if you weren't going through these movies like that? Yeah, I definitely am getting a lot more familiar with scores. I used to listen to like a few scores before I started the podcast, but you know, now I'm really trying to brush up on people outside of like John Williams and right. and my favorite John Bryan. Yeah. There's a huge, you know, gap between those two Johns. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, I should probably get more familiar with these people. And not that I need to cover every composer, but, you know, it's there's a lot of dots to connect when it comes to this very small industry of people. Yeah. Yeah. There was definitely a long period in my life where I thought like that's what I wanted to do the movie scoring thing. Um, and I'm kind of glad I didn't end up in there because it, like you said, it's a very small and competitive world. You know, there really is only like so many names of people who do all those films, but it is interesting. And it's like the difference in films that really effectively use like original scoring like that and films that really effectively use like a soundtrack of pre-existing songs. I mean, you know, we can see maybe this is like passe to talk about, but like as we're recording this, the whole like Kate Bush thing with Stranger Things is so wild how a well-intentioned, good placement of a song on the right kind of media, a TV show or a movie can like breathe this life into this song and how, you know, it just shows like how effective right uh, like a music supervisor can be you know in picking a song and like have it become iconic you know i mean that song for the rest of of our lives is actually going to be associated with stranger things this piece of media that came out like 40 years after it was released you know it's yeah uh, it's pretty wild yeah i mean that's what tarantino did with miserloo yeah and yeah, i guess like on on that note like there are a lot of movies that have soundtracks like that, let's say a Tarantino, right, where he's pulling from older, sometimes obscure, but like older music that he's sort of crate digging for, right? And then there are soundtracks where they use a lot of songs written specifically for the movie or just like a lot of newer songs. Do you have a preference of what kind of soundtrack you usually like? Yeah, I think it comes down to the film. I think it's a little bit easier when you're pulling from older songs. But like I thought the Black Panther soundtrack was pretty fantastic yeah and that works pretty well as just like a standalone album yeah that was interesting there there were a few around that time like the um the hunger games did that too where they sort of make an album of songs that are sort of like they're really just making like a cool compilation album that is kind of used in the film but not even really that much right it's just like Mm -hmm. A, a companion piece of media. The Minions soundtrack for this new Minions movie is like that too. Like, yeah. let's get all these cool indie artists to cover these 70s songs. Although I saw that film, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but they use like almost every one of those songs in the oh, movie, wow. uh, which I was kind of surprised. Did you wear a suit to the screening? I didn't wear, I, I felt like maybe that's for the teens, you know, I, I think I might be too old and too uncool to, 
<laughs> to dress in a suit to go see the minions. But sort of before we transition into your song pick, are there any other things that you wanted to like reflect on about either movie soundtracks or just music in general that you've been listening to or thinking about these days? Um, I've been listening to the Wet Hot American Summer soundtrack a lot lately because I have an episode out, probably will be out before this one comes out. Um, I was able to interview Craig Wedren, who did all the music for Wet Hot American Summer. That's awesome. Uh, he used to be in a band called Shudder to Think, which was actually uh, part of one of my the first concert I ever went to. Wow. So that was a big thing for me, kind of a bucket list sort of interview. I guess part of the reason like I'm getting more into soundtracks and doing this podcast is because so many of the bands that I listen to are now like transitioning over into that realm. Right. So both Craig and Nathan, who is the guitarist of Shudder to Think, they're both composers. Yeah, I mean, it's like in a lot of ways, it's the place where you can still make money doing music, right? <laughs> Right. So, wow, what a great movie. I'm excited to listen to that. So with all of that in mind, Ryan, what is the greatest song you've ever heard in your entire life? I'm going with The Universal by Blur. This is um, 1995, right? This is on their album, The Great Escape. Yes. Do you have any sort of memory of the first time that you heard this song? I do. So I used to religiously record MTV's 120 Minutes every week, and I would watch all the videos to find new bands. Obviously, this is Mm pre-streaming, really pre-internet. Like, the internet was around, but it wasn't used to... This is even pre like Napster. Right, right, right. So this is how I would find out about like cool new bands. And Matt Pinfield would tell me way too many facts about them every week. (laughs) And so I remember watching this video and I was not a Blur fan at the time. And I remember being like, oh, this is like a pretty song. And this video is very like creepy. Like, right. I, I don't think I quite knew who Stanley Kubrick was. I think, you know, they had parodied, parodied him a couple times on The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. So I had like a little bit of an idea of like what a Clockwork Orange is. But I just remember like this video like kind of gives me the creeps and I don't know why. Right. But it was a pretty song. Yeah, I was wondering if the music video was part of you being into this song because of the movie references, the Clockwork Orange reference. But I guess you you weren't really familiar with that before encountering. So it was like almost the other way around. Yeah, like I knew it was referencing something. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm interested is, you know, because you're saying your immediate reaction to it is like, oh, this sounds really pretty. But what I find interesting is that sort of discrepancy between like this really inspirational sounding triumphant music and the lyrics which are sort of this kind of cynical uh forecasting of the future (laughs) you know yeah like in my interpretation at least it's about this sort of dystopian future where we're all numbed by the powers of be telling us everything is great and you know sort of brainwashed by the media which is interesting because i I feel like in our actual reality we're sort of inundated with bad news all the time (laughs) but but yeah this very like 90s idea of the future yeah it's a little bit like the matrix right that's kind of what the song is about yes exactly it's right it's a very 90s conception of what our reality today is like. But it sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's a 
you know, with the strings and the melody is great. It's kind of this anthemic chorus. Yeah. I like, too, that the, especially in the verses, it has this almost like 60s kind of Burt Bacharach vibe to it, especially that trumpet. No one here is alone. And then it gets really big and, and anthemic, like you were talking about. But yeah, musically is very interesting. But yeah, I'm I'm curious just to hear more about your take on why this song, out of all the Blur songs or out of any song, what was it about it that uh, made you pick this one? It's kind of the one that stayed with me. Like I love a lot of Blur songs. They've become one of my favorite bands. This is kind of the introduction, I guess, for me into Blur. Like I had heard some of their previous singles and I didn't really care for them at the time. And so this is the first time where I was like, oh, OK, I get why they're one of the biggest bands in the world, even though nobody likes them in America. Right, right, right. Kind of started me on this path of following Damon Albarn's career. You know, I'm a big Gorillaz fan. Um, I just saw him perform live with a string quartet. A few months ago. That's awesome. So he's become one of my favorite artists. My three-year-old daughter can sing along with the chorus of the song. <laughs> it's a song that is so with me, that it stuck with me so much that when I was trying to write a song a few months ago, I ended up just figuring out how to play this one instead. <laughs> right. It's just like, it's just in your bones. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So I guess this song has been kind of kicking around since like the Park Life Sessions. And originally it was supposed to be like a ska song. Wow. Is there a demo of that? I want to hear that. I don't know. I was reading up on the song and I was like, wait, what? And then Damon came up with the string part and then it turned into this. That would have been very different. Yeah. I don't (laughs) even know how that would sound. (laughs) Wow. Maybe we got to try to put that together just for us. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thanks so much for coming on and talking to me about so many different things and this song uh if people want to find out more about you online where should they go you can find me on twitter at soundtrack underscore your or on instagram at soundtrack cast if you just want to find the podcast and you want to start listening to episodes you can just go to soundtrackyourlife.net we're on basically every platform imaginable for podcasts nice. and if not let me know so i can add us there <laughs> Very cool. Well, thanks so much, and uh, hopefully we'll chat soon. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you for uh, having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of This is the Greatest Song I've Ever Heard in My Entire Life. If you like what you heard, you know, go and leave us a rating, a review, send it to a friend, a colleague, an enemy. You can also reach out to us on social media. We're on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter at Great Song Pod. That's GR number eight Song Pod. Find us in all those places. Special thanks to Catherine and Izzy who helped co produce the show, to Skylar Spence whose song Kratos and Love is our theme music, and of course to you for listening. Thanks so much and uh, look forward to talking to you next time. <laughs>